You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Our Father, in this evening hour and on this very special night, we pray that you'll gather our hearts and minds together um, to experience once again the wonder of the gospel, that you have stepped into time in the form of a baby to redeem all humanity to yourself. So take these few moments here, Lord, and sanctify these words by the power of your Spirit so that we would see the beauty and the glory of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Wow. Well, hello, all of you, and, uh, and Merry Christmas uh, to you. Uh, you know, the, the rhythm of our lives can lead to a certain kind of lethargy and, and spiritual sluggishness. I think we all realize this is true and probably to a certain extent unavoidable. And it's also why I think the cycles of the season can be such a gift to all of us. Uh, we need the good news of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, uh, to come to us again and again rather than just once, a kind of train ticket to get on the salvation train and then move on. We, it's not just a one-time train ticket. We need the gospel to come to us again and again. And here we are tonight, once again, on the, on the cusp of Christmas together, uh, reminded once again of the incredible lengths that God has gone to to save you and me, to redeem us. You know, humanity throughout its whole history, from the Garden of Eden on, has raised its fist of pride to heaven from the very beginning. And God's final and triumphant word his final and triumphant response to the pride of humanity is found in the pink flesh of a newborn baby. What kind of child is this? It's Christ the King. I want you to look with me tonight for just a few minutes, um, probably 30 or 40. Um, I'm joking, don't get nervous. Um, on page 5 of your leaflet, because I want to work through Hebrews with you very briefly. Because Hebrews is a letter that's written most likely to a second generation of Christians. In other words, their parents were the ones who had, who had first experienced Jesus Christ. And now they were a second generation, struggling with what we might assume to be second generation Christian struggles. Over familiarity, a certain kind of lethargy, a loss of wonder at what had happened in the world with Jesus Christ. Um, in, in one of his final books, Karl Barth, the Swiss theologian, wrote um, a, a long sort of treatise on what it means to do theology and reflect Christianly on the faith. And his first chapter in this last sort of swan song of a book set is, is entitled Wonder. And in this chapter, Barth says that the most important character trait of any theologian, and really even more than that, any Christian, is, is a sense of wonder at what God has done for us in Jesus. And the truth of the matter is we betray our faith when we lose this sense of wonder. And it's a challenge. That's why we're here, we're here tonight. And the author to Hebrews is bringing a Christian message of first importance. He's bringing a Christmas message that's bringing this group of Christians, the second generation group of Christians, back to what we might consider to be first principles of Christian faith. He's seeking to motivate them uh, because Christians, these Christians are like so many of us who, who know about Jesus and who know about the message of Christmas, 
and it's not a new story to them. My wife and I were in chapel at the uh, Advent school here uh, last Wednesday, sitting by our um, youngest son, Franklin, and his, his compadres there of third graders. And um, I don't know if you know how they do this here, but they, they celebrate birthdays every week in chapel. And this was the last chapel. This was the Christmas chapel. And they started to call uh, children up to the front whose birthday it was. And, and just very sort of wryly and understated, a, a young man sitting next to us just said, Jesus Christ. And I was like, <laughs> my wife and I overheard it. Just howled laughing. The timing was perfect. It's just, you know, it's Jesus' birthday too. Why doesn't he go on up there? So there's a sense in which we're familiar and maybe possibly over-familiar with the story of Christmas. So how does the author to Hebrews motivate these second-generation Christians? He does it in Hebrews 1, 1 through 4. He does it by painting a large and beautiful picture of Jesus Christ. He doesn't start by calling them to sort of an account, a moral account of themselves. He doesn't berate them for their their lack of enthusiasm and passion. He doesn't do that. His first voice in his first word to this group of lethargic Christians is to paint this beautiful and glowing and breathtaking picture of Jesus Christ. Because that's where the motivation will come. A renewed vision of the glory and the beauty and the grandeur of Jesus. A, A renewed vision of wonder. You know, there's no infancy narrative. There's no story about Mary and Joseph and Jesus in a manger in John's gospel. And there's no infancy narrative here in the book of Hebrews either. What happens instead is the author to Hebrews and and John and the gospel of John bring us back to the very infancy of Jesus and the eternal life of God himself. And what, what they're doing, both John and the author of the Hebrews, is they're trying to show you and to give you an account of who this baby actually is in a manger. When you encounter this baby, they're wanting to pull back the curtains of eternity and let you know this is no ordinary human being. This human being here had his genesis in the very life and offspring of God himself in eternity. Look at what Hebrews says. You have it here on page 5, I think. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers in, and I think the King James Version used to say, in various and sundry ways, all kinds of ways. And you think about this, and I I pay the mortgage by teaching the Old Testament for a living, so, I mean, you think about all the wild stories of the ways in which God spoke in the Old Testament. Hosea, uh, there is a prostitute named Gomer. I want you to go marry her and have children because I want to use it as a sort of life covenant lesson for the people of, of, of God. So Hosea goes and he marries a, a prostitute. Um, uh, Jeremiah, this is a fun story, right? Go, go buy a, a new pair of silk. I'm not making this up here. Uh, go buy a new pair of silk underwear. And to get that pair of silk underwear and go bury it out in the, in, under some rock. And a few weeks later, go back and get it. And then use that as an illustration to the people of what they're like. Their whole hearts have become soiled like dirty underwear. I mean, the, the Old Testament is good stuff, right? I mean, the, God spoke in the Old Testament in all kinds of unique and fascinating and interesting ways from beginning to end. 
And the author to the Hebrews is not in any way treating the Old Testament like booster rockets on the space shuttle that now once we're in New Testament orbit, these rockets kind of fall back into the ocean. He's not doing that. He's letting you know that all of those Old Testament various and sundry ways of talking are preparing you for a definitive and unique moment in time. And this is what he says here in verse 1. Because in the past... God spoke in all kinds of various and sundry ways. But in these last days, in these days of the overlap of the ages, where heaven and earth are beginning to blend into one another, in these moments, he's spoken to us definitively in his Son. He's given us a definitive word of revelation and redemption in the person of Jesus Christ, who we celebrate tonight, lying in a manger. And now, after he says this, if I can continue the metaphor, the author to the Hebrews takes out his paint palette, picks up his brush, and now he's going to begin to make these sort of big and bold and beautiful strokes to describe for you who this Jesus is that God has, has spoken to definitively in this unique moment in time. And listen to these descriptions. It's, it, I can just read them. I don't even need to explain them. To see this overwhelming grandeur and wonder. Who, who is this Jesus, this final word? Well, you can see these descriptions here. He's the heir of all things. That's another way of saying that Jesus is the king, the king eternal from time past. He's the true king that all the kings of Israel pointed to in anticipation. He is the king. He's not only the king, he's also, if you look here, the agent of creation. I mean, hold on to your hats because there, there aren't um, larger descriptions that one can find of who Jesus is. He's the unique instrument by which the Father brought the world into existence. You know the language of Genesis chapter 1. God said, his word said, let there be light. And what's the next verse? And there was light. Jesus, the Word of God, was the instrument by which God brings this whole world that we walk around in day in and day out. He's the instrument by which this is all brought into existence. He goes on to say that he's the radiance of God's glory. Jesus beams in his own face the very eternal glory of God. He goes on to say that Jesus is the icon of the Father. If you want to know what God is like, um, the author to the Hebrews is telling us to take a long and hard look at Jesus. And then if you look at uh, the next one, he's the sustainer and the preserver of creation. I'm not sure how else to say that except for the way in which the author to the Hebrews understands physics is this. Without the sustaining presence of Jesus, the very molecular atomic structure that holds our world together would come flying apart. I don't, know, I don't know how all that works scientifically. I know some of you are science people here. Um, but it's as if he's telling us, don't think in these sort of deistic terms that the sun goes up and comes down. You need to think in these terms, that Jesus right now is involved in making this world continue to go according to its orbit so that the sun comes up and the sun comes down and the tides go out and the tides come in and the seasons change and the seasons go. That's not just some watch that's been wound and now is moving automatically. This is all happening because of the very power and presence of Jesus now. That's why, that's why the Gulf of Mexico and the Atlantic Ocean don't swallow up Florida, because Jesus is involved in that. And then look at the last phrase here. Jesus is God 
in human flesh. That's what the author of the Hebrews is telling you. And listen to how he sums up this whole picture. And after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This God-man came into the world to redeem people like you and me by making purification with his own blood for our sins. And when he did that, he sat down. You see, without the cross in view at the manger, we've missed the larger kind of spectrum and totality of what this day and tomorrow are all about. Because Jesus came into the world to live our lives for us, but he also came into the world to suffer our judgment for us. We're about to sing a Christmas carol here in a few minutes. It's on page 13 of your leaflet. This Christmas carol gets it. I talked about it yesterday in the sermon, so here I go again. Here's the first verse. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch are keeping. This is all the, the sort of fun sh- you know, shepherds seeing the angels and everything we know about uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas morning. But look at verse 2. Why lies he in such mean estate where ox and ass are feeding? Good Christian fear, for sinners hear the silent word is pleading. And here comes the view of purification of sins. Nails, spears shall pierce him through. The cross be born for me, for you. Hail, hail, the word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. That's who baby Jesus is. And words escape us. And it's why music is so important during this time of year. Because what else can we really do but sing? So Merry Christmas to you all. And embrace the wonder of this child with joy and with enthusiasm and with singing. Because this, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him, Lord, the babe, the son of Mary. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.